Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Financials Podcast, Food for Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I am your host, and I'm also a CFP, which you all know, I think by now, stands for a Certified Financial Planner, um, and I am here with my guest, Minnie. Hi, Minnie. Hi. Good good day, I should say. <laughs> I know, right? Um, how are you? Good. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's it's starting to feel like fall. <laughs> I know. So for all of our listeners, we pre-record, you know, depending on where we are in the season and my regular work schedule. But today is September 1st. Yes. And it definitely feels like fall. I woke up this morning and it was 50 degrees. Yep. That's about about what I was here. (laughs) Very nice. So give our listeners a little uh, background. How old are you? Uh, Status, job, location, all that jazz. Yeah, um, so I'm 35, um, which is weird to say, right? As you get older, yeah. like, wait, how old am I? <laughs> I have definitely told people the wrong age. I am officially 36, <laughs> and I'm I told people, yeah, I told people I was like 34, and I remember leaving, being like, I'm not 34. I didn't mean to lie, but I did because I thought I was, and I'm not. <laughs> so yeah, I'm married. I um, have one child. Uh, she will be four this fall. And we live in Minnesota. Um, I was actually born and raised here, but lived out of state for a number of years. But uh, my husband, who is not from Minnesota, um, he and I moved back to Minnesota about nine years ago or so. Um, And we've been in our current, um, what I I would call a small city. People here from Minnesota, it's not too small. Um, but, uh, we moved here almost two years ago. We had lived in a really rural part of the state for seven years and our daycare closed and there was no option in the whole County. Oh my gosh. In the rural city that you were living or rural town, I should probably say that you were living in. Yeah. Uh, it's a, yeah, it was a small town. Um, so we, yeah, the whole County only had 5,000 people, um, to get oh my gosh. But yeah, so we decided both career wise, it was an opportunity as well as to be a little closer to family. Um, we moved about two years ago and, um, my husband was able to find, uh, work in his field. He's a psychologist and I was able to find a, a really great fit for me as well. I'm a transportation planner, um, and I work for the state of Minnesota. 
So oh, that's a, cool. Yeah. So it was a really good, um, it was hard. We, when some place has been home for seven years, it makes it hard to, uh, that transition is hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's saying goodbye. We are only a couple hours away. So typically we go up pretty regularly until COVID. <laughs> um, yeah. and so we haven't been up there since COVID started. So that's been kind of a, a, a weird impact of COVID for us. Um, yeah. So how has COVID been? So are you both working remote? No, uh, I am. I've been teleworking. Um, we were actually traveling. In, we were in Arizona visiting um, family when COVID really hit the U.S. majorly. Um, and so I was called. I actually got a call from my boss when I was down there that said, yep, when you come back, you're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. <laughs> well, oh, then yeah. by the time I got back, um, the state of Minnesota actually put their stay-at-home order in effect. So then everybody was um, teleworking that, that was able to basically for our agency. So I've been teleworking not quite six months, but pretty close to. Um, but my husband's line of work, um, he's in patient care. So okay. he actually, even when they were doing full telehealth visits he still wasn't had to go to the office and now oh, wow. they're about 50 50 I'd say for in person versus online okay and then how has it been having a four-year-old yeah the weird well, part, yeah with COVID the weird part um we've been really fortunate where our child care has been able to stay open the whole time um oh, wow. so whereas I feel like a lot of parents have had a the worst um to deal with with COVID, I mean, other than being obviously illness and all that reality, but um, I think a lot of parents have been juggling. We've been able to still um, have her in childcare, which has been a huge blessing, and we've really been thankful for that. So teleworking from home um, has been a lot more doable for me because of that. I mean, I do we do have a seventy pound chocolate lab that might weigh in here at some point. <laughs> um, um, but in general, that's been really. Um, Great. The weird part was that um, we had already signed her up for preschool part-time this fall and had to decide in July if we were going to stick with that. And things have really kind of fluctuated um, in our state and across the country, obviously, um, over time. So we were like, oh, should we still have her start preschool or not? And um, in the end, we decided, well, well, we'll continue forward with our plan and just take it kind of one step at a time if things change. So our, our, our child care expenses are going up a little bit this fall, just that she'll start part-time preschool, but um, not dramatically. So, so at least for now, um, and we also, we also kind of, kind of um, morbidly thought, well, if one of them gets shut down due to COVID, once we were done quarantining, assuming we're all healthy, then hopefully she could go back to the other one part-time, <laughs> which is like the horrible, like weird, like, am I really thinking about this? <laughs> um, yeah, you're like backup plan. Yeah, yeah. And so for us in general, I think having a, a, a toddler, you know, a, a preschool age kiddo during COVID in some ways is, is hasn't been that big of an impact um, because already like summertime we spent a ton of time outside and hiking and camping and swimming and boating and um, that we've been able to do. Um, mm -hmm. It's been hard with family. I have my parents are nearby and we've had a distance. We see them but only outside um, socially distanced and that's been harder and now looking to winter that will be harder um, figuring that out. I'm sure a lot of us will be looking at our Christmas and holiday plans, like what the heck are we going to do this year? Yeah, absolutely. I, d I hadn't actually thought about it, but yeah, you're right. Cause now that we're in September, we're coming up 
you know, holiday season isn't that far away and it will dramatically impact that with the travel and getting together with maybe family members who are at risk or not doing it because they're at risk. Yeah. So it should be, it should be really interesting. So it's great that you both have your job. So how, how are things financially? So I, I make about 65,000 a year, um, for working for my agency. Um, my husband makes about 98,000 a year. Um, we, he, I've been able, I've kept my full-time hours and everything through COVID so far. He has taken, he took a little bit of a hit for a while. They did for partially furlough, but financially, you know, we were able to ride that no problem. When we looked actually, and then in addition, because the student loan payment pause for the federal yes. loan, that was awesome <laughs> when he it got, cut, it. got cut. <laughs> Um, so we do, that's, I guess, one important piece of our financial reality. Um, so when we first moved back to Minnesota many years ago, um, we thought, okay, we got to save for a house. And we started saving really aggressively. We finally both had full-time jobs because we came out of school, like peak recession, you know, back in the mm-hmm. 2009, 10, um, era, um, we're classic millennials that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I remember, like my husband's first internship, he made like twenty three thousand a year, and we were living in a major urban area. Oh no! <laughs> um, so, anyways, we were saving really aggressively, and then we realized uh, we're not going to buy a house when we have this much student debt. <laughs> um, and where we lived, even though it's a rural area, uh, it's actually really expensive because it's a tourist destination. Um, oh, okay. Things. So, anyways, we realized at one point, okay, well, let's pay down at least. Um, my loans because it was still, it was a little bit, they were more doable for, I had about 55,000 or so. Um, okay. and so we actually paid that all off fully. Um, quite That's a few fantastic. years ago. Yeah. It, it feels like a small victory because my husband's debt is six figures. Oh, <laughs> Only student loans. We don't have any other debt other than the mortgage and student loans. But, um, so he, he thankfully one of the great parts of working in rural Minnesota or rural parts of the country in healthcare is there's the healthcare service corps. No, I got the name wrong. Public health service corps. No. Yeah, public health service corps. Yeah. So it could no, qualify not not the public loan forgiveness program. There's another program, but basically he was able to get sixty thousand towards his loans through that program, which is great. But we still, so as of today, we have a he has about hundred and twenty thousand dollars of debt for students. Okay. Or we do. I mean, real, reality is we're <laughs> we're in it together. Um, and uh, but he is. He's he's also um, in the public service loan forgiveness program. Um, okay, he so he, as of now, um, there's a little bit of uncertainty because of COVID. We're a little worried he might not get some of those months counted because he was reduced in hours. So we're still waiting for his most recent like um, recertification to go through. Um, but in general, he would be eligible for forgiveness in like January, 2023. So he's almost eight years in. Oh, that's awesome. And you recertify it every year. Yep. Yep. And he's on income, he's on the income based repayment program or plan. So before, before the COVID or the CARES Act, um, we were paying about five fifty a month, um, based on the income based, but that was also based on last year or like our previous. So I th- we do expect that once we have to do payments again, that that's going to go up. 
Well, that's a great program. It, I mean, the percentage of people who have had it forgiven is pretty low because there's a lot of hoops you have to go jump through. Um, and I feel like they're not super transparent about what the process is. But one of the big steps that I think people um, fumble over is the fact that you have to recertify every year. Yeah, and you don't technically have to, but they recommend it because it helps prevent dropping out of it. Oopses, right? <laughs> like, yeah. oh, actually, that didn't qualify. <laughs> um, and then, so yeah, so part of our challenge, you know, in the last couple of years, so two years ago when we moved to our current city, we did purchase our first home. Um, so we do have a mortgage payment, and we actually re- we've refinanced this spring because we could save almost a percent and a half. Oh, that's great. Mortgage. So we're just over 3% on our um, mortgage now, which is nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, And, but also when we were trying to plan kind of some of those transitions, we've always had this weird balance. I think like most folks with student loans, it's like several years ago when we were thinking about buying a house, we talked to, um, uh, got some financial assistance kind of thinking through balance and it's always a hard balance thinking about saving for retirement and paying down loans and saving money for a house payment or or down payment all those things but we really we kind of found a good balance at that time Um, and then now when we've been in our house and are both making better incomes we've been kind of trying to sock money away extra money away that typically maybe we would have added to retirement or college fund and kind of putting it aside in case the public loan service forgiveness program doesn't go through because we kind of want to hedge our bets a bit. Um, I think that's smart just given all the information out there about it. Yeah and I think we know that right now we don't have enough cash on hand to like pay it off I mean right today like which obviously we wouldn't do that until he would get declined in two years or two plus years but um, we just figured that'll help make our if that's the case, that we can pay it down and help make our um, payments more manageable, or as we try to pay it off, get through a quick, more quickly. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. And where are you? So it is, and I think this is a question that comes up a lot on the pod: is like, how do you break down saving for all the various goals? So you have the mortgage, you have student loans, retirement, and you have, and you have a toddler. So how? What is? What do your financials look like from that standpoint? Like, so you're saving for retirement. We have 120 thousand left. How are you doing with like emergency fund and retirement? Well, it's been kind of interesting. So COVID's created an opportunity for us to, um, to kind of test out how much we really need to live on. <laughs> um, so last fall, which I'm thank goodness we did it that, or last November maybe, we took that chunk of money we had been kind of squirreling away for. Um, we had we had a chunk of money squirreled away, kind of in this hedging our bets idea. But one of our CDs came due and we were like, well, let's just roll it all in together and take out another CD just to like have that, you know, where we're not touching it, just to, at least it's earning something while it's sitting there. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, like now the world has changed so much. Back then, back in 2019, we got a 4% CD. Oh, that's <laughs> now, like, no way. Good that. luck. <laughs> Um, so we have that, we don't really even consider that like as part of our, that's kind of like set aside, um, in our so like so, emergency fund. Yeah. But, but we have, so we have a separate emergency fund in addition. So that, that account has about 52, I think the CD has like 52,000 at the moment. And then that's not due till 20, like the fall, like the November, 2022. So right before his loans potentially would be forgiven in okay. a few months. 
But when we did that, the bank required us to make to have a direct deposit into our that account. And so we actually ended up splitting where my husband's check goes into our one joint checking account and mine goes to a different one. <laughs> and that's become kind of like our little, let's see if we can live off his income and just have my my check go to this other one. So that has been working really well. Granted, we've had all these weird things where our student loans haven't been, you know, his student loan payment hasn't been due and we refinanced our mortgage. So we actually didn't have, it was a month where we didn't have mortgage payment and stuff. So it's been a little odd, but in general, so we've been able to put away, I have about $27,000 in that one, or checking that, um, it's not, I guess it's a savings account actually. Um, and so yeah, that's that was just basically like we had some money in there, I guess last last November, but it really basically my check has just been going into there. So that's been kind of a way just to do that. And then we have about twelve thousand dollars in our regular, oh maybe it's down about ten thousand dollars in our regular checking and savings account. So I'd say we have about thirty, maybe about thirty-eight thousand cash. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, um, and I think originally so COVID has been like helping financially. Yes. Yeah. For us, it has been, I mean, it was hard because my husband did have reduced income for a little while, but I think the other things kind of made up for that. Yeah, that like, um, especially over the, or especially the student loans over time. Um, and then also I think for us, most of, some of our, our, our costs have gone down, um, you know, in terms of entertainment and travel being a big one. We've still, you know, we still go camping and doing stuff more locally, but we haven't been flying anywhere. We haven't been doing major trips um, during COVID. Um, and typically we do, we, we do, we fly at minimum all of us once a year, sometimes twice a year, more often twice a year, I would say, to um this is my husband's family and now that our kiddo is no longer under two you have to buy them a seat as well (laughs) so that's usually like a at least twelve hundred to two thousand dollar proposition each time um so just that you know itself is like um, had an impact definitely on our day-to-day plus I'm also working from home so I'm not driving and we actually had planned to purchase a different vehicle this summer but with COVID it was like well it doesn't really make sense. We can make the 2003 Camry last a little longer. <laughs> so, and we do, we do drive, we do drive older vehicles. Like they're both pay, fully paid off. And um, uh, that's partly that where we want, we did keep some, some additional cash because originally we thought maybe we'd be buying something else this summer, but that we're putting that off for now. That's fantastic. And then how about retirement? Um, so both of us are putting in about 15% um, in our retirement accounts. Oh, that's um, great. My husband gets a few percent match. I can't remember exactly um, what he gets. And we're both splitting it kind of half pre and half post tax. So okay. he has a traditional 401k through work. Um, and he's ro- he rolled in his last um, 401k. So he has about $120,000 in there. Um, and then I just, um, my last employer, I didn't roll that over and that's about 38,000, um, in that 401k that's just sitting there right now. Um, and so far, like the fees aren't super high. So I think I have a target retirement date on that. So I think for now I'm going to, I was just going to leave it there, but open to other ideas. (laughs) And And then then are you in your current one too? 
Yeah, so that's so that was before. So my current one is I'm putting 15%, um, half pre-tax, half post-tax. I work for a state government, so it's a 457 uh, deferred okay. comp plan. And then also since I work for the state, 1%. I do a pension. So I'm also putting Ooh. 6% into the pension. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, which basically... You know, I had worked mostly for nonprofits, and so when I joined the state, it was like, I don't know if I'm going to be here long enough to get vested. Uh, I, you know, now I think I, I definitely expect to stay with my 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 employer and my position, but at that time I just didn't really know. So I was like, well, it's I'm going to pretend that pension part doesn't exist and just put fifteen percent. I'd rather put more in now than less, especially because I feel like we're still catching up because we both did higher education and kind of started our careers later than later. Now, is it 10 years to vest? Five. Oh, wow. That's great. That's a very short vest. Yeah. And they, so every, I put 6% in and the state puts in 6.25%. And then the thing that I just learned recently is if we did, because as we've looked at different scenarios of, you know, especially with COVID, we've realized, like, my husband's parents are getting older. Like, what if I wanted to step away from work for a time to go, we wanted to spend time with them or something? Like, what does that look like? And I did find out that I didn't realize, I kind of assumed you put money in the pension, it's gone. (laughs) You You can actually take it out, but then lose your years of service. So it's always like a little bit of a hedging in the bets of your, you know, if you'll ever come back um, to, to work for the state or, or one of the, yeah, you could leave and then you could go back and Mm -hmm. um, and restart. Yep. Yep. Um, And then also automatically 1% of our gross, my gross um, goes to a healthcare savings plan, um, an account that, um, until recently, I had not invested, which I have fixed that now. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, yes, I, that is a mistake. I see all the time people leave it in cash. Yeah, and that's actually, we both have HSAs from previous employers that have about three grand in them. And I've each, so we have like six $6,700 in HSAs that were sitting in money markets. <laughs> so that's one, that's one question I guess I had was, you know, I know... Like we, there's probably no way, to, you know, you can never really time the market. Like, I wonder if we, I should just take, like, in, switch as much as I can right now in that account over to investments, or should I try to kind of see what the market's doing? I mean, COVID's been so weird that, like, it's so weird. Yeah. But yeah, my advice is that those HSAs you can leave all the way through retirement. Yep. I think you're better off putting it in rather than trying to time it. Yep. Just because timing it is so fickle. Yeah. And usually. Sometimes you can get lucky, and hind- and the thing is, hindsight's twenty twenty. Everyone's like, "Oh, I wish I had," but like you, did, if you, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. And if you really have no intention of touching it, it's just there, you know, in case of emergency, or maybe you'll even leave it for retirement and just use your current active ones. Then um, one strategy would be you could put it into something more conservative and then make it more aggressive when you think the time is right. But um, I would definitely make sure that it's not just sitting in cash since it has a time horizon of like 30 years. Yeah. And that that's actually one thing I just learned. I had never heard before. And maybe other of your listeners will be interested is with HSA is you don't have to like, I, I we had been using it for medical expenses. Like I just paid a dentist bill, you know, out of there. Yeah. And then I heard, I heard, read somewhere that, you know, basically you could invest it and you can keep those receipts. So let's say you paid a dentist bill for $100 today and you paid out your regular checking account. 
as long as you keep those receipts, you can you can use that as a medical expense and later later whenever in the future. It doesn't have, there's no time horizon at least as of now. I mean, I guess things could change in the future, but I've heard some I've read some pot or some blogs that were like, you know, let that money grow. You know, you may as well let it sit there if you have the cash, of course, to pay for your bills. Like obviously, if you don't have other cash to pay, that's that's a different circumstance, but. I thought that was really, I mean, you have to obviously keep track of your receipts and, um, but I thought that was kind of ingenious. And like for us, we don't have a ton of money in there, you know, um, granted, hopefully over 30 years, it will grow into something. (laughs) Um, but still it was, it was like, that's, and, and the other reality is like, everyone's going to have healthcare expenses later in life. Like that's the other reality, you know? Um, yeah. Rare to not, I would say. Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. So the HSAs are great programs, really great programs. Yeah. It was, Uh, it was a bummer when, so we had, I was on a high deductible plan with HSA when I had our daughter and got very surprising medical, um, bills. So this is something that's good to know for folks. I I don't know. I never, no one ever said anything, but my, my deductible was like 3,500, I think at the time. And so we knew to plan ahead, like I'd have to pay 3,500 out of pocket, you know, combination. I think I had some money in HSA I was using and and cash. Well, it turns out with most hospitals, once the baby is born, they get their own bill. (laughs) They have their own deductible, right? Yeah. And so like all of a sudden we had an, an extra, I can't remember if it was... It was a couple thousand dollar bill for her. <laughs> You're like, how did she have her own bill? Yeah, and I was like, I didn't even, pl- I didn't thought of that, you know, because basically it hadn't triggered the family deductible. It was just I hit my, hit my personal deductible. So that's thankfully now working for the state. That's one of the wonderful parts about working for, uh, at least in Minnesota state government, is that we have an amazing insurance, health insurance. So actually, our health insurance for the whole family is through my job. Yeah, I was going to say, usually the benefit of a government job is really good health insurance, pension, retirement plan, yep. and usually like pretty good like PTO programs. Yeah, it's for sure. A lot of employees, so they have like a pretty standardized, like you get grievance days, you get vacation, you get sick days, like there's a lot, a lot of, those are usually the benefits. And actually for me, I found, I mean, this depends on everyone's circumstance, right? But for me, I actually, I got a pay raise also coming to work for the state. I also know people that that's not the case. (laughs) Yeah, it depends on on your role. Because I would say like our fan favorite, Natasha, she's an attorney. So she could probably make more in private practice technically, but she Mm -hmm. likes all the benefits of the government, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, I think at least my position, it's under a union contract. And so there's a lot of protections in place. Like, even yeah. though, like, obviously, COVID is impacting, you know, every level of government budget. Um, I think that it, it helps, you know, compared to where I have a lot of when I worked at, like, I have a lot of people I know in nonprofit world right now that are really hurting because it, there's just not that there's been such a huge drop off in in the kind of ways they make money typically. Um, so yeah, I feel very fortunate to be in the position I am right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and it sounds like you're doing, I mean, I'm glad that cause COVID has affected people in so many different ways. So it sounds like this has kind of helped uh, you and your family like sack away some more cash because of like the student loan pause, um, the refinance of the mortgage. Cause like we're at historic rates. So it yep. all sounds really, really good. Um, but I know in our, in your email to me, you were like thinking about having another child, but nervous about it given the environment. So yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I think we're closer. To, I think we're feeling a little, there's still uncertainty, I guess, is the hard, it's, it's in this weird part of, number one, I think everyone realizes just because you decide you want to have a kid doesn't mean you're going <laughs> to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens. Obviously, we have one, so the odds are slightly in our favor, I think, if we try again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the, especially as I mentioned already, I think because we've already dealt with the challenge of finding childcare and where we live, even though we're in a city now, like childcare, especially infant care is really hard to find. And then COVID happened. It felt like, oh my gosh, are we, you know, there's no way to guarantee, like it basically to secure a spot in most child cares, you have to be pregnant first. Yeah, you can't call them up and be like, hey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a baby in October 2021. And like, wait, that's too far out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the, that's one of the parts with COVID, I think that's made it more complicated is both, I mean, just logistically, I think it's challenging right now, like to think about doing prenatal visits and all that, you know, kind of stuff. But I think also for us, you know, it would be like, as I said, we, we could, we could make it on my, on one income, but it would really, we really would take a hit both in terms of just our savings goals. You know, I think trying to sock more money away that that would have definitely take a huge hit if I wasn't work, able to work full time. Um, as well as that I'm the one that has the good health insurance. Yeah. I um, good health insurance. Yeah. So even though my husband makes more, um, some of those benefits are really um, and he actually, we have to laugh because he, he works for a hospital and I have better health insurance. Yeah. They, the governments usually do. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it actually isn't too surprising when you look at the reality, but I remember when we first, I hadn't even thought about it. Um, I figured I, I obviously be on my work plan and my, my supervisor was like, well, your family's going to be on their plan too. Right. And I was like, I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think part of a part of our our thinking is like, how do we? There's just anytime you have a child, there's uncertainty, and you kind of yeah. have to embrace that. <laughs> um, you know, whether whether you or the child has health issues, or there's lots of different variables, and I think we've learned to embrace that to some degree um, as being parents already. But I think with COVID, I think there's a lot more at play that never was before. Um, and then kind of some real financial impacts. Um, and part of that too, is that, um, and hopefully, you know, we're in an area where cases are increasing right now, um, COVID cases, and we also are our okay. college town. And so far, only some of the schools are back in, in um, session, but they will probably be. And even for those, I think a lot of students are coming back to town right now, even if school isn't in session. And so we expect there to be an increase in cases. So I, I, I would be, I'll be happy if our, one of our child, either our preschool or daycare doesn't close this fall for a time, but I kind of expect that it'll happen (laughs) Um, due to a case. um, I know that we've had friends in Minnesota who dealt with that where their daycare was closed for two weeks because of a a case with a child. Um, So trying to figure out that stuff. I think that the planning for it is really hard with COVID just because like you bring up like flying isn't possible, seeing grandparents isn't as, isn't as possible. So maybe less help with it and what will childcare look like in a year. I think the benefit though is right now, you know, even, you know, as you said, you can't 
totally predict when you would have the baby, but if you were trying to have another one in the next year or so, the benefit is for the next year, you could really stock away extra money that you normally wouldn't be saving. That's a good point. So you could have more of a cushion going into it. Yeah. And I I also just discovered after reading uh, the COVID updated COVID leave policy, like 10 times, (laughs) 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 which I'm sure if other people are listening that have a work for organization that has some type of COVID leave, they probably know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, But there actually is, I, after figure like reading it through many times, I did figure out actually that it's basically using FMLA but they do it by fiscal year. So as long as, like, if we had to, if I had to use some FMLA this fall, for example, as long as I don't, didn't need to take FMLA again during the same fiscal year, which our fiscal year is July 1 to June 30th. So basically, uh, okay. I can't have baby yeah. until after July 1st. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And so for our listeners, that's the Family Medical Leave. Yeah, Family Medical Leave Act. And most, I think your employers have to be 50 30 or 50 employees or larger. Um, yeah. To, to, yeah. Um, but obviously if you work for a large company or government or something or larger, or at least a state or regional government, I'm sure you're big enough. And then actually, thankfully the state of Minnesota a couple of years ago, actually um, passed um, six weeks of parental leave. Um, so um, that's another reality for us. Even if it wasn't COVID is that, um, when we had our daughter, I took about six months of pay, of leave. Part of that was unpaid um, the first time around. Okay. And it definitely was valuable, and I w- would like to do that again, um, both in terms of it's easier to get a six-month-old into daycare right. <laughs> um, than a three-month-old, as well as it just was really good for us for bonding and, and family balance and things. Um, so that was part of my my trepidation before as well if I had to if I if one of us got sick or daycare was closed and I had to use a bunch of paid leave of my PT or my um vacation or sick time then I wouldn't have as much to go towards um potentially a, a, a maternity leave in the future mm-hmm. but I think now the way they've done it is that at least for I mean the devil's in the details of course but I think they've updated the policy where I could at least get partial pay without having to touch my vacation or sick time. Um, We did have to cover like a daycare closure. Yeah. And that would be great. And I do feel like, and I, you know, it's, as you said, the devil's in the details and it depends, but I think given the COVID situation, I feel like the employers are, are more lenient just Mm -hmm. because I mean, this is a unique situation that's everyone, everyone is going through. Um, So yeah, I guess because there's so many unknowns, I wouldn't, I think it's good to know what's available to you through work benefits and kind of have like a backup. But I think the upside of all of this is that you could save a significant amount more money over the next 12 months. And then that hopefully would make you feel more comfortable going into, you know, having now a four person household versus a three person. Yeah. And I think the, the other recognition we've had is looking at, excuse me, um, so our childcare expenses going up a little bit with her starting preschool, but it's pretty much the same. Um, but obviously having two children in daycare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what we realized, though, if we did do it this, it probably wouldn't be that long where they both would well, be. they were overlapping. Yeah, because she, our daughter, not this fall, but the next uh, fall. 
nope, not even next fall. She has she's young. Okay, <laughs> you turn four. You have to five. Yeah, so she's okay. turning four. Yep. So, okay. but because of if I take six months of leave and things, I, I don't think maybe it'd be like half a year or less than a year probably of them both of, of needing double childcare. And and to be honest, compared to a lot of places, we it really isn't. Here, there's obviously great variety of cost involved with childcare, but here the biggest challenge is just getting a spot. We do we use in-home daycare for our daughter right now, and it's like seven hundred a month. It's really affordable. Um, oh, it's still yeah. seven hundred bucks a month. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But I also know people who pay twice that for one child or more. Yeah. Well, and also if you're saving extra money over the next year, you could easily take that right out of the emergency fund that 27,000 you have if you keep putting your paycheck in there for 12 more months that could help cover like the hospital bills the the double daycare costs when you have your daughter and the new future child that would easily be covered yeah yeah and the other the other challenge we have and I think this is just an expense we have to plan for is because I'm on it's my health insurance I only I only get the state portion paid paid for when I'm on paid leave so if I take unpaid time, not only am I not getting paid, but I'm also not getting their portion. And so it ends up being about $2,000 a month for health insurance. Um, I know everyone's going to listen to that and be like, oh my God, that's so high. But honestly, for a family plan with good coverage, it's a really good rate. Oh, it is. Yeah, totally. Just when we're right now, we're paying, I think, oh, I should have looked at what that is. It, you know, I think I pay like 100 60 bucks a paycheck or something so it's a I think they pay they cover like 95 percent of the cost right now so that's a big so it's not have to play the hospital deductibles they've doubled the but you bring up a really valid point that like it would only be like maybe six months of double coverage and then you'd have to pay for what six months of health insurance well even less than that because I think that the I probably have at least three, three or four months of paid leave between the six weeks paid parental leave and then the leave I've saved. Um, by then, oh, okay. I, you know, I figured I would have enough for it only be maybe a couple months. Um, and then also I do have, I did purchase when I started working, um, for the state, I purchased the short-term disability yeah. plan. Um, so I think that pays out. Of course, it depends on the circumstance, you know, like if you have a challenging you know, let's say there's complications, they'll pay out more, but I think, or pay for a longer period of time. But I think the benefit I have right now, I think is at 3,300 for a month, per, for a month. Basically, I think they pay minimum of that, you know, that or six weeks. I can't remember. So then that can maybe offset the health insurance. Yeah, that would help offset some of that. Yeah, um, and you could potentially save like another 20,000. From now till next year. Oh yeah, I think so. Based on how we've been going at least. Yeah, how you've been going. So yeah, you could have like almost fifty thousand in cash, not including the other fifty-two thousand in the CD. So I think you'd be in a good position to like allocate like fifteen thousand of that towards the next child, like the additional cost. And then, yeah, and our health insurance is so good. Like I, I of course I have to. We'll see what happens. But like a friend, they're on the same plan, and when they had their kid, it was only a hundred dollars. <laughs> wow yeah I was like oh my gosh we paid like eight thousand dollars or whatever it was I can't remember yeah. now seven six thousand dollars and and it's just the reminder of like that and it was the same hospital <laughs> it's amazing the different the circumstances more or less so um yeah, so yeah. I, 
I think the advantage you have is the fact that, you know, during this time, you're able to save so much extra money, you could go into having a second child with a lot of cash on hand. Okay. A lot of cash. So I guess, and then and with, the health insurance difference, the childcare difference, get a new car without changing any of your other goals, right? Like still putting the 15% into retirement. Like, yeah. yeah. So I guess one of the questions, so two of the things I think that were... So right now we're only putting like a hundred dollars a month in a five twenty nine account. Um, so that's one thing that I've been trying to figure out. And granted, maybe if we we're gonna, maybe we would still just save that money, our extra cash as cash for now, just to have our that that buffer for whatever next year if we have another child, what that would look like. But I also am like how you know balancing out wanting to. Um, I guess I'm thinking at some point I'd like to put more towards that um like maybe for right now get the cash up so that you feel comfortable having a second child because you have have a big cash kitty because you can always dump a bunch of money into a 529 yeah that's true it if there's no limit it's not like the Roth or the IRA where they're like okay you hit your max for the year yeah Um, you can always put you could always front load those and say okay we made it through the first year we now have a five-year-old and a one-year-old we're comfortable. We have a new car. I'm back at work full time. Like we don't need to save as much cash. You could up the five twenty nines for both of them, and then each, you know, put seven grand into each of them. That's a good idea. Okay. Because I think the key is because it's so there's so many unknowns right now. I would have more cash on hand. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make you feel comfortable, and then well, and it's not like we're gonna make much like in any other kind of. <laughs> Mm-hmm. it's not like you're gonna take out I mean technically I guess you could take out a CD or something that has some constraints but you're not going to get much interest off of it. no yeah and I think the cash is important just because as you said there's so many unknowns like what is it going to cost you know paying for health insurance the full boat double child care you know what if one of the child cares were to close you know what I'm saying like there's just a lot of unknowns yeah. So if you keep extra cash for a year or two years, just to make sure that there are no emergencies, I think that's fine. And okay. then you could say, okay, now that, you know, hopefully we go back to whatever the new normal is, we, let's just say at that point, then your emergency fund, you have 35,000, you could take 14 and split it between the two 529s. Is there, I guess, because it's, it's post-tax, you, there's no limit on how much you can put in there, is there? If there is a max limit, um, you can do... Gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think it's seventy thousand is like the max. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and like in like one shot. I have to yeah. I have to look it up for you, but it's pretty high. Okay. I haven't had a normal. I haven't had a normal person like a normal person say like, oh shoot, I maxed it out. <laughs> no, and I think yeah, I think and I know that like you know, it's not like we don't expect to have. I think even for like grandparents and stuff that I think at least my husband's parents that are older, they have a trust and stuff. So I don't think it, it would sound like they I don't think they'd be looking to put a bunch of money in there anytime soon. So I think they've got different kind of different plans in place. So. Yeah. And I, I just came out off at the top of my head, but you get it, you get it. Usually if you do it with the state, you get a little bit of a state deduction for your taxes. Um, and I can look up and let you know what it is, but it's, it's a pretty high max for, okay. for the year. So yeah, we 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 did do our so we did our taxes. We I just opened the account. I must have been in twenty eighteen, no nineteen. I opened it at the start of twenty nineteen. I can't remember, but anyways, um, the uh when we did our taxes last year, we were we pulled that, but I think because we were we and because of the student loans, this is something that I think the people who are in the public loan for public service loan forgiveness program probably have heard. If we filed jointly 
our, his payments would be really, really high um, because I don't have any student debt anymore. Um, so his income, yeah, so we've been doing, even though we take, we pay for it, um, and there's not a tax break by doing that. Correct. I think that was the case. Um, it maybe was on his, but there's a bunch of things that were like, oh, this is great. And then like, oh, we don't get that because we're not filing jointly. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, but, they, but because they, of the program, it makes sense for us. The you program, know, it makes sense because they're just looking at his income versus joint income. Yeah. But you know, my, my married filing separately because people have been like, oh, I'm just going to file separate because then I'll pay less tax. And it's like, no. <laughs> you, no, you, probably. <laughs> yeah, we, for, for many, for the last for many years, we would do our taxes basically three times because we had to do them into, you know, separately each and then also jointly to figure out which made the most sense. <laughs> and oh so God. this year, we finally hired a CPA. <laughs> and I was like, this is the best check I've written. This is like way better than doing your taxes multiple times. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. I always, I think you feel like on the podcast, I'm always like, it's worth having a CPI, especially yeah. when it's complicated. Well, that's why I think you hit a certain point in life when you've got enough complications that it just, it makes sense. Um, yeah, and then that way you're not doing it on a Saturday, like when you're not. Yeah, working. or like four Saturdays, because it's four so complicated. <laughs> totally. Well, cool. Well, I hope, did I answer all your questions? <sighs> Let me see here. Oh, I guess the one other thing that we, um, and I guess it, it probably gets to this already. The other challenge we have is that, um, so my husband, like I mentioned, my husband's family is all in Arizona. Um, and originally when we moved to the, our current city, the plan was that we would go more frequently, um, especially him by himself, just to get more time with his parents. They're both getting older. His dad's in his 80s. Um but then COVID happens, and so he's obviously not going to fly down there every month or two, yeah. <laughs> or every couple of months. Um, so we've been trying to think about um, how how to maybe spend time with his family um, when now with COVID, like even in current circumstances, forget like if we have another kid or whatever else, like potentially there's maybe quarantine period. There's just different like realities of that um and so I mean I guess the big like what the advice you gave already is like save money extra funding money because that helps give more option right if things are needed that maybe that is part of that equation for us is that if we let's say we have another child and we want to go as part of my leave down there for a few months we probably could afford to do that if you need to take time off work or something um I think that's the other the other challenge for us is being a family where our families are from multi, from very distant two states, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we're fortunate. Like we lived, we met on the west coast. We lived where we had to fly to both of our families for a long time. Um, so I feel fortunate that we at least live close to my parents. Um, but there's that that challenge as well. I think, and I'm sure we're, we're not the only ones in COVID world, right? That are trying to figure out how do you how do you stay connected to your family if they're far away. Yeah, this is a tricky time just because like flying isn't as easy and like driving might not be a great option. But I would think I think that the key for for your family is having that extra cash. So like if you decided to spend a month down there on during your leave, like that gives you all that flexibility to have that kitty of cash available. So you're mm-hmm. not trying to put it on a credit card or, you know, you're not not saving for retirement. Um 
I think that's key. And the other thing I would look into is if you feel like you're going to be flying a lot once this is over, or at least flying a few times, I would look into the credit card point game. Like, oh, yeah. Like you can open up a new credit card and you get, you know, if you spend 3000 cause you know, you have your, you know what your set costs are. You, you have your budget down, but I would do that because you could get free, some free flights that way. And that would be one way that if you're putting all of your stuff on a credit card that's giving you points towards or miles towards whatever airline, you know, you'll know what flies Minnesota to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Then that maybe you can get one free trip a year out of it. To offer yeah, that's it. a good idea. So I would do that because you know, let's say you know you're spending three thousand dollars a month, and you can look at the credit cards, and you're very good at looking at the details. So you could say, okay, if we have this credit card, we put this amount on. That's one trip a year to Arizona. Cover. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Because I think we've either way. Yeah, I think that um, for tracking purposes, for a long time, we just, and both of us, I think we have credit cards, but we just have not been, I think just for like, like tracking purposes, we had really just been using our debit cards for our checking account. But I guess we could kind of switch switch that where we both have the same credit card, like get open a credit card, open credit cards that all are from the same account, I guess. Yeah, and you could auto bill, but I would use it to get the free trips. Yeah. Yeah. And even if, I mean, I think it would be ideal if you got one a year, but which I think you could definitely do, especially if you're opening a new card, like they sometimes they give you 50,000 miles or whatever. Um, so I would just look at that and I would try and maximize that because if you're going to be spending X amount a year, then at least maybe get a free flight for it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, because that is definitely a, that is one of the, and historically when we've traveled down there, our costs down there weren't very much because we could stay with my in-laws, but now with COVID... <laughs> it's like we're not just talking about air air airfare anymore it's like a place to to rent or you know to hotel or whatever so yeah that's a good idea though and I know some of them have uh, programs as well where you get bonus for hotel and that kind of stuff too yeah absolutely I would definitely I've I've used that a lot personally like for free trips and it's it's great because if you're spending the money I you know it's my regular budget spending it's what I'd be spending money on every month anyway but rather than putting it through my debit card I put it on a credit card and then I get a free flight. Oh. Yeah, I think that that for us, and I, I laugh because we, my husband and I actually met through um, kind of like an AmeriCorps type program that um, where we both did public, like we both worked for like very low paid <laughs> um, nonprofits. Like he worked with a prison, um, people coming out of prison, and I worked for a, a network of women's foundations. And um, uh, we both, like, part of the key tenets of that is like living intentionally simple and like that kind of stuff. And so we've tried, of course, as life goes on, like some things, there's some, there's some lifestyle inflation, but in general, we've been able to kind of try to stick to that kind of like focusing on what we actually care about and value and like food, especially like good food groceries and then also some dining out and then travel, I feel like are the things we actually spend money on (laughs) where we're we're pretty good about cutting out other stuff to have a card that aligns with that so that you're maximizing the dollars that you're spending to result in travel, which is another priority. That's a great idea. But yeah, I would say for you and your family over the next year, I would sock away as much cash as possible since we're in a new normal and you might have a new baby. And then that way you, the the cash never hurts, never hurts. Yeah. Well, that's what I guess. And then we'll, we'll have to keep an eye. So if, if two years from now or a year, whatever, once we get through a period where we feel like we've got stability again, then we can look at whether we backfill on that 529 account and, or start to look at other, you know, I think one thing, neither of us, we've basically been investing through our retirement plans, but, um, 
I've also been doing, I'm also interested in potentially doing some other, and mostly kind of more like index, you know, not, I'm not looking to um, spend a lot of time <laughs> trying yeah, to yeah. manage investments, but more kind of like where Vanguard has their index options, something that's pretty set it like more, maybe a little bit more higher, like quote unquote high risk, which I mean, we're talking about long time frame, so it's probably not like it's, it's not, not that high risk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So why don't we do a follow up and see where you are in like a year, year and a half? It sounds like yeah. so long, but like maybe next fall, and we see where everything is. Yeah, and we'll see if there's a little uh, kiddo crying in the background. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> or cooing. Actually, when they're little, little, they're actually pretty sweet. It's like you hear when you have a when you have a kid and they like they're you know three at this age, you hear a baby like fussing, and it's like oh, it's so sweet, and the parents look at you like you're nuts, but you're like compared to the three year old screaming, and. <laughs> We have a really happy kiddo. I'm not, not, she's very, although she is our, some good friends of ours. The first time they met her, um, she was very pregnant with their little boy. She said to our daughter, "Um, don't worry, we'll make sure our son knows you're not bossy, that you have great leadership skills. (laughs) And it's true. (laughs) Whether you want to define it as bossy or leadership skills, but no, um, I think the, it is fun. It's, I think having it's funny because my my parents I was almost five and a half when my little brother was born and so I was always I always thought it's nice to have some space between kids which obviously everyone has different ideas and for us I think just life has happened in a certain way where you know that's how it's been um that we probably will have a gap between kid we would have a gap between kiddos um but uh it's interesting it's fun to Parts, the parts of it are hard. Parts thinking about not getting much sleep again is the downside, but. Well, and the benefit of having this right out is you won't have too much time in double daycare. So that will be nice. Yeah, yeah that is. And that even for, I know people have different thoughts on it, but I've, even for college as well. Um, you know, yeah. some people have said it's good because then you like, for FAFSA or whatever you've got. Inside. But r- the reality is cash flow wise, if you're, uh, it's, That's I think true. for a lot of families, it's hard. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I yeah, and thank you. do a check-in with you to see if there's another kiddo next year. Yeah, um, or if not, what we bought. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, we'll wrap it um, up for our listeners. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Planantial, and you can check out our classes, which are in partnership with SUNY Ulster at www.planantial.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.